So, today we are going to be talking about the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Um, because we're going to pray for people this morning, I can't give the full teaching, but I want you to have the full teaching. You can download it online. It's called Let's Talk About the Baptism of the Holy Spirit. It's also, we've got CDs out there on the baptism of the Holy Spirit because it's, it's really important to me that we do not seek experiences for experiences' sake. I only want what the Bible promises me. I want, I want, this is the final authority on all things. And so I, I want you to be comfortable here that we're going after what the Bible has promised. Um, and so you can avail yourself to that. All right, would you mind standing with me in honor of God's word? Acts chapter 2, 1 through 4. Here we go. When the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. Suddenly a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. So this is, this is what happened. This is the experience. Now Peter gives the explanation of what, what is this? What, what's going on here? Here's what he says this is the explanation. In the last days, God says, I will pour out my Spirit on all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions. Your old men will dream dreams. Even on my servants, both men and women, I will pour out my spirit in those days, and they will prophesy. He's speaking from the Old Testament. He's saying there's a new covenant coming, and it's going to feature this. I'm going to pour out my spirit on everybody. It's, going to, it's not going to just be men. It's going to be men and women. It's not going to just be Jews. It's going to be all flesh. It's, it's every nation. It's not just going to be older people. It's going to be old and young. I am going to pour out my spirit. And Peter says, this is what you have just Witness. Now he says the promise of the Holy Spirit, repent and be baptized. Because they said, what should we do? And he says, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. And you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. The promise of the Holy Spirit is for you and your children and for all who are far off, for all whom the Lord our God will call. So the promise of this baptism of the Holy Spirit that they've just experienced is for all who are far off, not just geographically far off, but generationally far off. Anyone who calls on the name of the Lord in this entire dispensation has this promise of this baptism of the Holy Spirit. Let's pray. Father, in Jesus' name, would you help us to navigate your word? and our own journey. And Lord, make this a safe place. Make this a place where we can think and experience your love, your grace, and God, all that you want to pour out on us. We love you. We thank you for it. In Jesus' name, and everybody said, 
Amen. You may be seated. Point one is, is there a second experience with the Holy Spirit? First, I want to look at these two pictures that Jesus gives us of the Holy Spirit. The first one is in John 4, 14. Whoever drinks the water I give them will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give them will become in them a spring of water welling up to eternal life. This is... Every believer, every believer, the water is a picture of the Holy Spirit in us that God puts a well within us and it's got in that well is everything we need, everything to teach us, everything to instruct us, the fruit of the Holy Spirit. We can drink from it. It is for us. It is our salvation. There is a well in us of the Holy Spirit for us. He gives a second experience a few chapters later. On the last and greatest day of the festival, Jesus stood and said in a loud voice, Let anyone who is thirsty come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as scripture has said, rivers of living water will flow from within them. This second experience is not the well in you for you. It is this overflowing river for other People. These are the two experiences of the Holy Spirit. Now, we see this first in the life of Jesus. In Luke chapter 1, verse 35, the angel says to Mary, here's what's going to happen. The Holy Spirit's going to overshadow you, and that which is born in you is going to be by the Spirit, is going to be the Son of God. I don't think anyone has a question that Jesus had the Holy Spirit right from birth. He had that well within when he was 12 years old. He had great wisdom, and everybody was listening to him. Yet, when Jesus is 30 years old, He has a second experience with the Holy Spirit. In Luke chapter 3, 21 and 22, um, John the Baptist in the water, the voice comes from heaven, and John sees the Holy Spirit descend like a dove. This second experience is for an empowerment for ministry. It says in in John 2 that his miracle at, at the wedding in Cana of Galilee was the first of his miracles. Don't have the idea that Jesus was just doing miracles all while he grew up. No, he never did any public miracles. It was all private until this second experience with the Holy Spirit. The Bible says that he came out of the desert after the temptations in the power of the Spirit. So then we have Acts chapter 2, 1 through 4. And the question scholars have asked for years, we're not going to solve it here, is, is this a second experience with the Holy Spirit? Or is this the first, the first experience? I'm not, I'm not going to presume to know, but I will, I will give a, a few thoughts. In John 20, 21, 22, Jesus is already resurrected, which the Bible says that the Holy Spirit couldn't be given until he was resurrected. And then it simply says this. He breathed on his disciples and said, receive the Holy Spirit. Now, was the new birth ministered at that time? Did the breath of God come into them and give them the well within? Maybe, maybe, maybe not. Um, One argument for is why Jesus says 
They're going to be baptized in the Holy Spirit. Baptism means immersed. You are going to be absolutely immersed to the overflowing. And the reason is not to seal your salvation, not so that you will know that you belong to God. He doesn't even mention that. He says, here's why, so that you will have power to be my witness. It's, it's an empowerment for witness. It is similar to his second experience where the Holy Spirit came in power for a ministry. This idea of a second experience becomes clearer as you go through the book of Acts. In Acts chapter 8, Philip has preached the gospel in Samaria, and the Bible says in verse 12, after the Samaritans believed Philip concerning the word of God, they were baptized. Men and women, Simon himself, Simon the magician that's watching Philip do these miracles, he, he also gets baptized. However, the Holy Spirit, now when Luke says the Holy Spirit, he's talking about this second experience, this baptism, this immersion. The Holy Spirit had not come on them yet that way. So they sent for Peter and John, and Peter and John came and laid hands on them, and they began receiving this second experience. This is going to be a pattern, and you'll see it. Once the Holy Spirit was given, no one else was told to wait. No one else was told to go in an upper room and wait. Once the Holy Spirit was given, you could just lay hands on one another for the release of this. The very next chapter is Acts 9. First, we have the conversion of Paul. And uh, then he's blinded. He's converted. He's like, Lord, what do you want me to do? And God appears to Ananias in a vision. And he says to Ananias, I want you to go lay hands on Paul so that he might receive his sight back, and so that he might be filled, baptized, immersed in the Holy Spirit. So once again, it's the laying on of hands after. We see it another time in Acts chapter 19. Paul is heading towards Ephesus. He comes across what he thinks are disciples. And he says this, did you receive the Holy Spirit? Once again, speaking of this special gift, the special baptism of the Holy Spirit, when you believed. And they said, we don't know, we don't even know what you're talking about when you say Holy Spirit. And he's like, uh-oh, time out. What baptism were you baptized with? And they said, John's baptism. So they've only experienced John the Baptist's ministry. So, so Paul fills them in. John pointed to Jesus, told about Jesus, tells them about Jesus. And they're like, okay, we want to we wanna get baptized now in Jesus' name. And so he baptizes them in water. And then he goes right back to this filling of the Holy Spirit. The Bible says that he lays his hands on them, and they, there's 12 of them, and they all begin speaking in tongues and prophesying. So a second experience with the Holy Spirit after salvation. So here's what happened to me. I got saved in college through the Baptist Student Union, and... I was on fire for Jesus. I, my mentors were very into discipleship and I was memorizing scriptures and going to meetings and basically doing whatever my mentors told me to do. And one day they said, we are going to uh, Midvale Baptist Church today. We're going we're gonna to go early. We're going to go to their Sunday school and then we're going to stay for service. So we go, we go to their Sunday school and there is a man named Dave there. And he's leading the Sunday school and he says this. He says, today... We are going to look at a second experience with the Holy Spirit. And he 
takes us to a few of these verses in Acts, and then he tells his own experience about these friends said that he needed this second experience, and, and they were in a hotel room, and they all laid hands on him, and he began speaking in tongues, and, and, he, and he had this second experience with the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Well, my, my mentors were angry. My mentors were angry. One, the Holy Spirit's a person. How can you have more than, more or less? And two, tongues is clearly not for everybody. Some speak in tongues, and although we're open to it, this is just, this is just wrong. So they're angry. I'm their student, so I'm angry. I mean, how dare they? How, da- how dare he teach that? How dare he say that you can have more of the Holy Spirit than we have because we already have the Holy Spirit and well, we don't have to speak in tongues and da 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 And so I'm angry. I'm just, I've got that little chip on my shoulder. And so I go back to uh, Milton and I was in the Campus Life group over the summer and uh, there were some leaders that, that were, were friends of mine. And one of them, his name is John. And I, 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 you guys probably don't know this, but I'm kind of an extrovert. Um, <laughs> And he was, a, he was a deep introvert, but we were really good friends. And so he says, he says, Tom, I do not want to argue with you about this topic, but I, want, I have a book. I just want you to read it. I don't want to have a discussion about it. I just want you to read it. I'm like, fair enough. So he gives me this little book called Smith Wigglesworth, An Apostle of Faith. I will never forget the night I read that book. I read it all in one night. My, my mom and dad were having bridge club downstairs. I am up in my bedroom and I start reading this book and I am like, are you kidding me? This guy, is, he, he was born in the late 1800s. He's very simple, uneducated man. He was a plumber by trade and he actually learned how to read by reading the Bible and he got saved through, uh, or, or started ministering with the Salvation Army because he was just on fire for, for souls. And uh, in the early 1900s, after the Azusa Street outpouring, he found out that there were people in the south part of England, he was from Bradford in the north, that there were people that were speaking in tongues. And he's like, read about it in the Bible. I'm going down there to find out what these tongues are. So he goes down to where they're speaking in tongues and he, he's, he is very unimpressed. He stays for a whole week and he's like, no, no, they, they don't have any more of the Holy Spirit than we do. Because they keep telling him it's not tongues, it's the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Tongues just goes with it. And he's like, no, no, I'm out. And the very last day, the vicar's wife comes to him and said, listen, you, sp- you went all this way. How about if you just let me pray for you? So he's like, well, I guess that can't hurt. So he, she puts his hands on him, and all of heaven opens up. He has a vision of Jesus and starts speaking in other tongues, and she leaves, and he's there for two hours. And he comes back, and he says to his wife, Polly, he says, I have received the baptism of the Holy Spirit and speaking in other tongues. And she said, we'll see about that. We'll, 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 we'll see about that. Because to that point, Polly was the preacher, Smith would bring people to the meeting, and whenever he was supposed to speak, he would get up, he would read the text, and he wouldn't be able to say another word. And so he would just say, now we're going to turn it over to my wife. <laughs> and so, so she, she, she's like, you're preaching, we'll see what happens. And so he gets up, and oh my, the river of God starts flowing through him. And she's like, Lord, what did you do with my Smith? And this began a ministry that in, in the history of the church, a healing ministry 
that was well-documented, that was powerful internationally. He saw eight people raised from the dead during his ministry. He saw limbs grow out. He saw cancer disappear. It, stunning ministry all over the world in mighty, mighty miracles. And I am reading this book, and I'm just crying. I'm crying all the way through. And here's why I'm crying. This is a very different Christianity than my Christianity. My Christianity is all about me. It's all about me memorizing stuff, me keeping the rules, me being disciplined, me, me, me. This, this Christianity is all about God. God's doing stuff. He's, there's a river flowing and, and he's got this joy and this excitement and this anticipation and surprise of what God might do. And it's, it's just, it's very different than my Christianity. And I, I, I put the book down. I've cried through the whole book. And I'm like, because I'm a Bible guy. I'm like, this actually seems more like the Bible than what I've got. <laughs> when I read the New Testament... When I read the book of Acts, when I read the Gospels, this, this seems more biblical than what I am currently doing. And so I told the Lord, this is what I'm going to believe from now on. <laughs> I'm just like, I'm going with the Bible. And this seems more biblical. There's more available than I have had. And so two weeks after that, I go to this Bible study. I was personally invited by Larry Schultz, who was leading the the Campus Life Group, and this was just a small group of, of young men that he was discipling. But I, so I was a leader, so I got a special invite in. We get out to his cabin, and there's six of us, and Larry says these words. Today I'm going to tell you about a second experience with the Holy Spirit. My heart starts, uh-uh, uh-uh, uh-uh. And he, sa- he gives almost the same story as Dave. This other, he's, he gives the same verses in Acts. Then he tells how he got this, uh, prayed for, for this baptism and, and had this, this, this other language. And, and he gets us done and he says these words. I would not share all this without giving you guys a chance to receive. Could we have every head bowed and every eye closed? There's six of us. Is that really necessary? <laughs> Whatever. So we bow our heads, we close our eyes, and he says, he says, if you, if you want to receive this today, raise your hand. And my, I'm, I cannot get my hand up high enough. I'm just like, are you kidding me? This is, this is, I've, I've needed an on-ramp for this. And so my hand is up, and, and he said, okay, you can put those hands on. And apparently everybody raised their hand. And so, but, but he's coming to me. For, he leads us all in a prayer to receive. And then he comes over to lay hands on us. So he comes to me first. Well, I don't know what I'm supposed to do. But I know it involves my tongue. Because I've read about it. So I've got my tongue out. <laughs> I don't know. I've, I've never done it before. I don't know what it is. But I know somehow something's going to happen with his tongue. So I've got to... And so he's praying for me. I got the tongue out. I, I, I'm just trying to make something. And then all of a sudden, I don't know why I started doing this, but I start going like this. Uh, uh. I mean, it sounded like a, a sick cow in its, in its misery. And, and so Larry, Larry hears the cow mooing, and, and he moves on. And this is what really bothers me. So he prays for these other five. 
every one of them gets a prayer language right away. They're just, I mean, he lays his hands on them and they're like, I mean, they are just going off in tongues. All five of them. And I'm thinking to myself, you little brats. You don't even want this. You don't even, this is the first you've even heard about it and you have it and I'm over here mooing. Are you kidding me? So I go up to, I go to, I go to Larry afterwards and I said, uh, I said, Larry, I, I, I understand it's a gift and, and I, I do believe God gave me the gift of the baptism of spirit. I said, but I don't think I spoke in tongues yet. He said, yeah, I don't think so either. <laughs> but he said, don't worry about it. He said, don't worry about it. He said, it will, it will come. You know, maybe you were trying too hard. Maybe. Um, so I'm on my way home from that meeting. I'm in the car. And I had heard Larry speak in tongues. And I had heard these kids speak in tongues. And so I'm like, I'm just going to try it. So I start repeating a few of the phrases that they, and all of a sudden, there's this language. And I'm going off in tongues, and it's going, and I don't want to stop, and I don't want to stop because I don't know if I'll be able to start again. I pray in tongues all the way home. And I immediately call Larry, and I'm like, this is what happened. He says, yep, Tom, that's it. You got it. That's, that's the tongues. So I go to bed that night, wake up the next morning, first thought I have, I wonder if I can still do it. So I start doing it again. And I get stopped by a thought. It is absolutely the clearest thought I could possibly have. Here's the thought. This is not God. It's just you. And I stopped. And I'm like, "Mm, that's very possible. Because it was me. I was the one doing it. And... How would I know that this was God? And so I'm like, and then I'm like, hey, but this was in the Bible. This is this is in the Bible. This happened in the Bible. They they did this stuff. And and so I said I said to God, and I'm not telling you to do this, but this is what I said to God. I said, God, I'm going to make a deal with you. I have no idea whether this is really you or not. So, but I know because I had studied it. That the one that speaks in a tongue edifies or charges himself up spiritually. And I said, this is what your word says. I'm going to do this for five days. I'm going to pray in tongues for five days. If I don't feel charged, if I don't feel different, I will never do this again. And so that's what I did. I didn't even think about it. For five days, I just, every day I would pray in tongues. I'd pray in tongues under my breath while I was at work. I'd pray in tongues while I was in the car. I, would, I had a church that I could go to at noon hour, and I would belt out tongues there. And five days goes past. Goes past. By the end of those five days, there is a river flowing in me in, in every single dimension. Uh, one, of the, one of the teenagers said, it was like... Tom was stuck in first gear, revving it, revving it, revving it, and all of a sudden, he went into fifth. That's what it was like. I went back to college. I have no idea, folks, that there's such a thing as a charismatic movement. I don't know that there's charismatic churches. As far as I know, me and that Dave guy are the only two people in all of Madison that speak in tongues. I, have, I, I know nothing 
And so I come and I'm, I'm trying to decide how I'm going to share with my Baptist roommate that something has happened to me. And I'm very, very nervous about it. And so I, 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 we go down to Gordon Commons, the lunchroom, and I said, I said, Warren, I said, I've had something happen this summer and I don't know what you're going to think about it. And he says, he says, I want to hear your story. He said, but first let me tell you mine. He got baptized in the Holy Spirit. That's, that's the story he told. He told about a second experience. And I'm like, are, God, are you kidding me? Two experiences. So now we need to address speaking in tongues. What is it? First, it is a language you've never learned and don't understand. 1 Corinthians 14, 2. For, if anyone who sp- any, for anyone who speaks in a tongue does not speak to people, but to God. Indeed, no one understands them. They utter mysteries by the Spirit. 1 Corinthians 14, 14. For if I pray in a tongue, my spirit prays, but my mind is unfruitful. So speaking in tongues, praying in tongues is the, the Holy Spirit who, who resides in your spirit speaking directly to God, bypassing your mind. What is tongues? It's a supernatural language. You never learned it. It's like a hotline to God in prayer. Secondly, what is, praying, what is speaking in tongues? It is both a private prayer language and a public gift. Here's what Paul says in 1 Corinthians 14, 18. I thank God that I speak in tongues more than all of you, but in the church I would rather speak five intelligible words to instruct others than 10,000 words in a tongue. Now Paul has just explained in 1 Corinthians chapter 12 that there is a gift that is given to the church called tongues and interpretation, where somebody publicly gives a tongue and must interpret it and it is for the purpose of the congregation. And he says, not everyone is going to have the public gift. But then he says, there's also this private prayer language, which he says that not only does he have, but he uses it more than all of them. And the whole reason that he's got these chapters in 1 Corinthians is because they've been abusing it. They've got their identity in their gifts. They're showing off their tongues. They're thinking they might be more holy or better because they've got tongues. And, and, and Paul is rebuking them and saying, listen, this is all about love. It, you can speak in the tongues of men, which, which would be the Acts 2 tongues, where it's a supernatural tongue, but somebody on this earth r- r- knows it, or the tongues of angels, which is a language you have that no one on this earth speaks. But he said, if you don't have love, if your goal is not love, you're a gonging, uh, clanging cymbal and, a, uh, a, 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 and an, a sounding gong. Love has to be the end of this thing. God doesn't give spiritual gifts so that you can wear a badge on you and say, look at me, I've got a spiritual gift. So Paul says, listen, I'm not speaking against tongues. You guys are all fascinated by tongues. He said, trust me, I speak in tongues more than all of you. Uh, and we'll talk about that in just a moment. Why would Paul say that? But publicly, I don't have the public gift that is interpreted, but I use it privately. The private language, I believe, is available. And thirdly, what tongues is, is it, it is the expected evidence 
of the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Jesus said this in Mark chapter 16. He said, these signs will follow those that believe. You can see it on the screen. In my name, they will cast out demons. Every single believer from when you first believe has authority over the devil. Every believer. There's, because the authority is in Jesus' name. It's not that you're a good person. It's not that you're a mature Christian. It's not that you don't need to go find a pastor. You don't need to go find somebody to help. You've got authority unless the, the enemy can convince you you don't have it. Every believer has authority over the devil. Then the second thing he says is this is the second sign. In my name, they're going to speak in new tongues. Now, when he said that, no one had any idea what he meant. That tongues isn't in the Old Testament. Jesus didn't speak in tongues. So this is going to be something new. And it's something that goes along with it. And so when Pentecost comes, 120 people, every one of them speaks in other tongues. In Acts chapter 10, Peter has been given a vision and he's got to go speak to the Gentiles. And we don't see him laying on hands for the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Why? They're Gentiles. There's, they're not going to lay hands on Gentiles for anything. They don't even know the, what, what is going on with Gentiles. So God kind of supersedes it. While Peter is still speaking, the Holy Spirit comes on all of them. And the Bible says the circumcised believers, that's the Jewish believers, were amazed that the gift of the Holy Spirit was poured out even on the Gentiles. Now, what I want to point you to is verse 46. How did they know that the gift of the Holy Spirit had been poured out on the Gentiles? Was it because they smiled bigger? Was it because of the wind and the fire and the the wine? No. It says, for they heard them speaking in tongues and magnifying God. This is the sign, the expected sign that goes with the baptism of the Holy Spirit. In chapter 19, there are 12 there. All 12 speak in tongues and begin to prophesy. I say expected and not initial. Why? And I said this two weeks ago. You do not have to speak in tongues to be filled with the Holy Spirit. I received the baptism of the Holy Spirit and didn't speak in tongues right away. I mooed. There's all, there's all kinds of reasons why people don't speak in tongues after they get filled with the Spirit. Sometimes it's because we're very in our minds and we don't want to let go of control. There's, we've been wounded by the experience. We've been wounded by people. We've heard horrible things, so we don't want to speak in tongues. And So God's not going to make anybody speak in tongues. But everybody that's baptized in the Holy Spirit could speak in tongues. They could. Even if they don't, they could. Even if they don't think they could, they could. Because it's part of it. It is the expected evidence of the baptism of the Holy Spirit. So then the, the big question then becomes, why would anyone want to speak in tongues? Why? It's crazy. It's wild. Why would you want to pray in tongues? Well, this is a really, really good question. And I want to tell you why. I want to, I want to give you a little insight as to why Paul spoke in tongues more than all of them. In verse 5, he says, I desire that all of you speak in tongues. Why would Paul say that? Why every year we do a Sunday night on the baptism of the Holy Spirit? This is the first time I've done a Sunday morning, but I do it every single year on the baptism. Why? Why would I do that? Here's why. Outside of daily reading the Bible, speaking in tongues, 
has been the second greatest weapon for my spiritual life. I literally pray in tongues every single day. On my morning prayer walk, what am I praying about? Am I praying for you guys? Yes. But most of the time, I'm praying in tongues. Praying in tongues is, there's, there's a couple things that it does for you. Here's the first. 1 Corinthians 14, 4, he who prays in a tongue edifies himself. The, the word means charges himself. Jude says the same thing, Jude 20. But you, beloved, build up your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Spirit. Praying in tongues doesn't give you faith. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. That's, we've got the word of God, the Holy Spirit by a mystery. As we let the word of God get into us, faith arises. But it takes the faith that's there, the prayer language, and builds it up so that it is usable. I don't know if you've ever experienced this, but sometimes we genuinely have faith. But it's getting choked out by the cares and worries of this life and the desire for other things. And so when we need our faith, it's not that we don't still believe in God, but right now it's hard for us to be the witness we want to be because we're kind of being choked out right now. And so we kind of miss opportunities and we we beat ourselves up. Um, God has given a way that we can recharge ourselves all the time. Um, Has anybody ever been frustrated with batteries? Here's the problem with batteries. They all look brand new. They all look brand new. Now, we, we don't believe it anymore. It, we are not, just because it looks new, just because it's shiny, we have no faith until we try it. it just because it looks good does not mean it has a charge. So we put it in the remote, and it still doesn't work. And we take those batteries, what do we do? We throw them away. I don't, those are worthless batteries. They don't have a charge, even though they look good. This is a lot like Christians. Sometimes we look good. We know how to look good. We know, we know how to keep the appearance up. We can get everyone else believing that we're doing fine. How are you doing, brother? Fine, fine, great. Everything's great. Everything's great, 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 great. And we can even tell ourselves, everything's just fine. Everything's just... Well. But God knows, and we know deep inside us, that we're uncharged. And so God gave this gift... Praying in the Spirit, where you can actually recharge yourself. And here's the secret. You don't have to be in the mood. You don't have to be in the mood for God to pray in tongues. It takes very little energy. It doesn't take your mind. It comes out of your spirit. I'm going to tell a story. I don't want you to repeat this, because it's going to sound horrible. But I I went through a very dark time in 2009. We were in this one-bedroom apartment, and everything was just hard. And my favorite thing to do is I would go up to our upstairs closet where we had our computer. And I would play golf on this computer and pray, and pray in tongues for like two hours at a time. I'd just let the river flow. Put some, wor- put some worship music on and, 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 and you're like, well, shouldn't you be thinking about Jesus while you pray in tongues? Probably. <laughs> but you don't have to. You can read a book while you're praying. It's coming out of your spirit. And I would come out of those times feeling so refreshed and so energized. And praying in tongues is God's way of you can self-charge yourself whenever you want to. Here's the second reason. 
that I, I'm, I'm jealous for all of you to have a prayer language is the Holy Spirit helps you with your prayers. Romans 8, 26 and 27 says this. We don't know how to pray as we ought to pray. Has anybody ever felt that? But the Holy Spirit helps us in our weakness, and he makes intercession for us and through us with groans and speech beyond regular utterances, and he knows what the will of God is, and so he prays the will of God. And so there are, there are utterances and groans that are not tongues that, that, that come out of your spirit that might sound like a mooing, um, but it certainly includes tongues. The Holy Spirit knows what to pray. This is why Paul says in Ephesians 6, 18, with all of your prayers, pray in the Spirit. Now, some scholars that don't even, they, that what they'll say, with, here's what that means. I'll tell you what that means. That means praying in the Spirit, with all your prayers, praying in the Spirit. That means in all of your prayers, be led by the Holy Spirit. Well, that is certainly true, but is that really what Paul is saying there? It's called the hermeneutic principle. If you question what somebody means, you don't interpret it for them. You find, let them interpret their own thing. You use scripture to interpret scripture. So Paul talks about what it means to pray in the spirit in 1 Corinthians 14, 14. He says, if I pray in a tongue, my spirit prays, but my mind is unfruitful. What will I do then? He says, I'll pray with my mind and I will pray with my spirit. So when Paul says, with all of your prayers, pray in the spirit, he is talking about tongues. Why is that necessary? Well, here's why. We have no idea what to pray. God, God bless Africa. Hold it, hold it, I'm not done with that prayer. God really, really bless Africa. Just really good. What? Do we love Africa? Yeah. Do we know what to pray? No. <laughs> we do our best, and then we can pray in the Spirit for things. In the mid-80s, my mom was diagnosed with breast cancer, and it was very severe. My mom was a very strong woman, never down, the most positive, driven woman that I knew. And so I'd never, never seen her like this. My whole family had never seen her like this. I, we are in the middle of religious trouble because we, I was raised Catholic and now Tommy is in a cult. Tom, they don't know what Tommy is doing. Je, Tommy is a Jesus freak now and no one knows quite how to deal with Tommy. And, um, and so I go up to her bedroom with my wife, Alice, and Alice sits on the bed. The dark, it's dark and she's, she's, her hair is all gone and she's just really, really stuck in bed. And I said, Mom, could we pray for you? She said, please, please pray for me. And I did the best I could in English. And then, for the, in the only time in her entire life that she heard me speak in tongues, I started speaking in tongues over her. We left. Ten minutes later, she comes downstairs. The whole family's in the living room. She is fully dressed. Here's what she says. She was a very matter-of-fact person. Here's what she says. Well, Tommy has prayed, and God has healed me of my cancer. She said, don't worry. I'm going to finish out the chemos, but I know I don't need them. I know that I'm healed. Do you know that she was healed? She died a couple of years ago after 30 more years. 30 more years, and it wasn't, she didn't die of cancer. Um, well, what did the Holy Spirit pray through you? I, I don't know. I don't know how it works. I wasn't in on it. But I know this. 
God met my mom. So that brings us to point three, final point. How do we receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit? First, no fear. It's a gift. Here's Luke 11, 11 through 13. Which of you fathers, if your son asks for a fish, will give him a snake instead? Or if he asks for an egg, will give him a scorpion? If you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? There are stories out there that are like, you know, demonic tongues and, you know, be careful of experiences because maybe you'll get a demon. And God just put this in here and just for our sake. He says, listen, you are safe. Not because you can control everything. You are safe because I love you. If you ask me for the Holy Spirit, you will only get the Holy Spirit. You would never treat your children. You'd never trick your children. And you're evil. And how much more will I keep you safe? You can safely experience something new because I love you. You can experience something out of your own control Because I love you. And he says, it's a gift. Guys, if you get it in your mind that this is only for mature Christians, this is only for good Christians, you're back to performance and you're going to be blocked. You're just going to be blocked. This isn't for good Christians. This isn't a reward. This isn't for mature Christians. This is just for Christians. For everybody that's called on the name of the Lord, God has a gift. You just need to ask and receive. Secondly, it's for those who are thirsty. We, we saw that earlier with Jesus on the second experience. He said, whoever's thirsty and believes, out of his innermost being will flow rivers of living water. The story that Jesus tells right before that scripture in Luke 11, 11 to 13, is this. He said, because they, they had asked him to teach them to pray, and he said, he said, this is what it's like. He said, it's like you have a friend that comes to you at midnight for bread because they're starving. They come to you at midnight. It's the midnight hour. It is the darkest hour, and, and they don't have any bread. And you don't have any bread either. And so you're trying to explain to them, I'd like to help you, but I don't have anything. And while you're, they're explaining that they have nothing to give, they're like, hey, I do have something to give. There is something I have. I have a relationship with someone that's very wealthy who always has fresh bread. He's always got enough. And so I will, I will go to him and I will get what you need at your midnight hour. So he goes to his friend and he knocks on the door, and the friend says, go away. My wife and I are sleeping. Children are sleeping. Go away. And, and he, but he won't go away. He's like, no, no, you don't understand. I must have this bread. It is midnight. It is a dark hour. You have what we need. And the Bible says he doesn't get up because he's his friend, but because of his shameless persistence. 
The best translation of that word, it's the only time it's a word, is just shamelessness. He is absolutely shameless because of two things that have made him thirsty. Two things that have made him adamant that I must, I must have more. It's that a friend has come at midnight. And how many know that that's when people come to you is at midnight? When do they spill their beans? When do they spill everything? When do they spill their brokenness and their marriage and their PTSD and, and their, 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 their brokenness? When do they share? It's always midnight, isn't it? People try to keep a good front. They try to, try to keep a good face on it. But when they pour out everything, it's because something has triggered it. Isn't that right? It's midnight. And here's where thirst comes. First, by owning the fact that you have nothing to give them. That I don't have a cliche to give you. I don't have wisdom to give you. Have you ever had somebody come to you and the only thing you could think of is they need God. That there's nothing I could do for them. They're, the brokenness is too deep. The, 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 the hour is too dark. That what they need, only God could give them. I have, you have to own that you have nothing. This isn't about you. And then you also have to own that you have a relationship with a very wealthy, generous person. And, and you need to go and you need to say, God, I don't need this power for me. This isn't about you giving me power so I can be more saved or so that I can have spiritual gifts so that everybody will think I'm spiritual. This is about the world that desperately needs us to have more. They need us to have power to help them. God, I must have more and I'm not going away. And you're going to feel in your spirit like God's saying, go away. Somebody else, somebody that's more mature, somebody that's more spiritual. You, who do you think you are? Da 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 da. And, and that Jesus said, "This it's going to feel like this. Why? Because there's an enemy. Because there's a flesh. Because we've all sinned. Because we've all got. We're going to have to press through those feelings." Jesus said, it's going to seem like God's saying, go away. But I'm not saying, go away. I am a father. I love you. I've got a gift for you. I want you to press through your feelings of inadequacy and shame because I want to give you what the world needs. I want to give you my Holy Spirit. Press past all of those feelings. And that, that leads to the third thing of how to receive is persevering. Everybody gets baptized in the Holy Spirit a little differently. A lot of times the reason why people get confused is because the person that told you about it had this great experience and they saw a fire and they felt fire and they're like, a word will just start popping out and they, sometimes they give their story. And so the only way you're going to feel like you're baptized in the Holy Spirit is if you have that exact story. And so that's very confusing because uh, it, it's, it's going to look different for everybody. But you're, you're, you're usually going to have to persevere. You can't give up because you moved the first time. You can't give up because it, 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 it didn't come out. And if, if God was going to do it, he would have done it right away. Well, you're not God. How do you know? Press through. Persevere. And then finally... How do we receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit? Cooperation. 
This is the number one reason why people that are baptized in the Holy Spirit don't speak in tongues. is because they don't want to cooperate. And, and not in a bad way. People want it to be real. I don't want something fake. So I'm not going to help God. And so, so if I'm going to speak in tongues, it will be like a radio that just goes, God turns on and all of a sudden it's just coming out of me like this. And, I, and I'll know it's real because I had nothing to do with it. Not going to happen that way. The Bible says they spoke in other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. It's actually going to take you speaking. Now, this is a very profound statement. But if you don't speak, you won't speak. (laughs) If you don't open your mouth and start speaking, then you will not speak in tongues. You're going to have to cooperate. Well, what if if I'm faking it? What What if it's not God? Listen, God is delighted that we are, we're safe. We're in his living room right now. Let the river flow. I just started, and all of a sudden, there was a river behind it. And so, we will, we will have to um, speak as the Spirit gives utterance. All right, so if we could have every head bowed and every eye closed. If you are here today... And you are not convinced that you are baptized in the Holy Spirit. You're not convinced that you have the fullness of that river flowing. And today, you feel like, this is my day. I, I am ready. I get it from Scripture. I'm thirsty for it. I, I, I want this today. If that is you, with every head bowed and every eye closed, would you just raise your hand real high right now, long enough for me to see it, okay? I'm seeing hands go up all over the church, seeing hands. I'm looking up in the balcony, all over the place. I'm seeing hands. You are, you are ready today. You want, to, you want to receive this today. I'm just leaving it open for just another moment in case you want to join this. There's many, many hands up. If you want to join them, This might be your day. This might be your time. Anybody else want to join? We had a few more hands go up. That's great. All right. Um, Could we all stand to our feet? So if you raised your hand, um, I want you right now to step out and come on down to the front. Whether you are in the balcony or you're on the main floor, come on down. And I want you to make one line up all the way across the church up here. So yes, step very boldly. Come on out, wherever you are. And we are going to have a time of prayer for the baptism of the Holy Spirit. So if you are up here, I need you to be in one line and not too close to the platform because I need to come in front of you, but not too close to the pews because there's going to be people coming behind you as well. So if this can all fit in one line, that'd be great. So bro, why don't you start right at the door there and yep, and, and, but one line. Otherwise, I'm going to be confused. So you guys, yep, just come on up here, right there. Shoulder to shoulder, shoulder to shoulder. Yep, okay, come on. Come on. Got more people coming from the top there. All, let's all be in one line. Okay, we're going to wait for these guys to come. I'll give you some more instruction. Come on down, guys. If, if you're part of this group, come on. There's room up here. Come on over this way. I just made all these poor people stay close together. All right, push them, push them. That's great. That's great. One line all the way across. One line all the way across so that there's no confusion. Okay. I 
I want you to have a good experience right now, and so I'm, gonna, I'm doing everything I can to make this a really good experience for you. Okay, so, in a moment, I'm going to have those who are baptized in the Spirit, and you've got a friend up here. I'm going to have you come up and stand behind them and put a hand on them. Um, I'm going to, some pastors on the staff are able to come in front. I've also asked Ted Gary if he wouldn't mind coming in front. God uses Ted to get people baptized in the Holy Spirit all the time, and so I've asked him uh, special permit. We'll, We'll be the only ones in front. For all of those that are online, um, I need you, we want you to get baptized in the Spirit. You need to either call me or email me, and we will set up a time for you to get baptized in the Spirit. For all of the rest of you that are here, um, oh, let's have those people that are friends that want to come up and stand behind and help them get prayed for. Come on, you guys go ahead and start coming. Okay, so everybody else, you got a couple options. Option one is to just hang out and see what happens in here. I, I absolutely welcome you. So you guys got to come forward just a little so that people can get behind you. Because I really want someone behind all of these people, if, if possible. Um, so you can hang out and just see what happens. We're going to put some, a CD on. You can see what happens. You can see if, if that could work for you in the future. Whatever you want to do. Actually, you could still, it's not too late to come up and get prayed for this morning. That's option one. Here's option two. We're going to be dismissed. And so you can, you can leave and talk out in the foyer. Here's what I just, I just cannot have you do. I can't have you talk in the sanctuary. What's going to happen up here is very holy, and they need to hear me. We just need to be absolutely focused. So I'm just, I'm begging you to not talk in the sanctuary, but to, if you're going to leave, just leave. If you want to stay and watch or stay and worship, whatever you want to do, great. But don't talk in the sanctuary, all right? So I want to pray for everybody else, and then I will talk to those that have come forth. So Lord, thank you so much for this day. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for your promises, and thank you for the outpouring of your Holy Spirit. Father, I pray for um, those online and those that, that are not at the front. Lord, I can imagine that there is, what is this? There might be wrestling about it. There might be, honey, we're at the wrong church. <laughs> we don't want to be at this church, and that's fair. I, I get that. Every, every, you got, everybody's got to do their own. They're all, we're all on our own journey. Um, so, Father, I just pray that you would bless everyone on their journey. And that each one would take the next step, whatever that step is on their journey. Grant to this congregation a tremendous thirst for more of your word and more of your spirit, I pray. In Jesus' name, amen.